Today I am going to tell you guys one of the saddest stories I've ever heard. Even sadder yet, I've lived this story, actually, multiple times in my life. So, what is our motivation to help people? Why do we feel like we want to be involved in church ministry or anything else? What is our motivation? We're about to find out. So, uh, I was watching a thing on, on YouTube, some kind of um, prophetic word. And this prophetic word was giving like a mm, kind of a things are going to get a little dicey, you know, like some warnings in there, right? Like the world isn't going in the best place. You're going to need God's protection. You're going to need, you know, all that stuff talking about the end of times underneath this word was a comment from a lady who gets vulnerable and she says, please pray for me. I am in despair. I'm fighting off despair. I don't know what else to do. And she proceeds to talk about um, some of the things she's facing, like losing her house, um, having to settle for less of a job than what she had before because of health reasons. Um, her husband had died years ago, and she had two boys to still raise and take care of. Oh, Lord, help me be gentle about this. So there was 15 comments in reply to this lady. What do you think the comments were? Okay. Well-meaning people. Okay. Lord, help me not judge, but I am telling you, I have been on the receiving end of this kind of thing. And let me tell you how unhelpful it actually is. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear about where you're at. I'll be praying for you. Um, <laughs> have you ever gone through deliverance uh, against poverty? I come against poverty right now in Jesus' name. Um, one after another. Keep your head up, girl. God's got this. Praying for you praying for you, praying for you. Okay. You might think that there is nothing wrong with all those comments, but let me tell you a little something. Anybody that has looked at a comment like that and been like, oh, the poor dear, as opposed to like, I feel her pain. I feel her pain. This, this God thing isn't easy. There's, there's not a lot of explanation why we get not a single person out of the 15 replies related, brought hope, said they're currently in the same spot, said, hey, you're dealing with a poverty issue. Where do you live? How can I help? Do you need me to pay for your babysitter? Do you need me to watch your kids? What kind of work do you know how to do? Can I help... The hands and feet of Jesus in and through the church as a whole right now are powerless, okay? And that is our fault. God has the power. 
But it is just interesting to me how those of us that call ourselves believers, followers of Christ, you know, like followers of his example is what that should mean. And we go, okay, but I can't be inconvenienced. I'm not going to actually sacrifice anything. Um, I'm going to say some pretty things, hope she feels all better and move on with my life because after all, uh, you know, my stuff is more important or whatever. Okay. Has, have you ever heard the whole take up your cross daily? What do you think that means? It's not going to cost you nothing but a little comment on what I'm praying for you. I'm sorry. Excuse yourself. No. <sighs> We all need help. We need each other. I think there's somewhere in the Bible that talks about needing to bear each other's burdens. Every single person that responded to her acted as though they're exempt from that. They've been following God probably a little bit better than her. Therefore, they're not in that situation. Well, let me tell you something about when you're following God. Did the disciples have money? Did Jesus have money, an easy life, a comfortable place to sleep all the time? That's what following God actually looks like. So this, this false gospel religion stuff that says, as long as you have a cushy, nice house that you can invite half the church to, a pool in the backyard, the trampoline in the whole nine yards, you're probably not following God well. Don't get me wrong, please. I am not saying anything's wrong with that stuff. We need those people and thank God for those people when they are willing to open up their house. Okay, Uh, don't get me wrong. I'm saying we put a thing on those people as if they have it together. And some of them like the fact that they look like they have it together. Some of them strive for that house, for those things so that other people will think they have it together. On the other hand, some people have literally just been blessed by God because they're following him. He's blessed them. And so so then they use that stuff to bless other people. Asking nothing in return, mind you. Sacrificially. Now, when I said I have lived this story, I have literally been on, on, on the receiving end of both reactions. Well, I'm praying for you, girl. Well, I hope it gets better. Like, oh, you're going through that? Let me pray with you. First of all, you know what that tells me? That tells me you think you're exempt, you're, you're, you're above this, and I'm a poor, pitiful little something or other that needs prayer. Let me tell you something. We all need prayer. And anybody pretending otherwise isn't helpful, okay? I am going to show you this in Scripture. This is amazing. The, on the other hand, I have been around people when they found out about our, our situation, um, literally facing homelessness, no place to stay literally that night. I've had somebody come up and say, I've heard of your situation. We have a big house. Come on down. You can stay indefinitely while you get on your feet. Okay? So there are those people that are following the Holy Spirit, that are sacrificing their time, their space. Uh, You know, a big old house in their own family. They had their own kids and everything. But they took us in. 
Now there's my vulnerability telling you a little bit about my life, but here's the thing. If we act as though we cannot relate, we have not been at a place of despair when we're hearing about the end times and who knows what we're going to face and all this kind of stuff. We're all pretending like, oh no, it's so good and exciting. We're all just so excited about it. If you are actually literally excited, like, woo, it's going to be a party, then you haven't read the Bible about what the end times are going to be like. So start there. Um, exciting in the fact of like, um, if you put a rocket on the back of your bike and it takes off and you end up in a big wreck, um, but ultimately you live, sure. I mean, that's kind of exciting, but not necessarily in like balloons and confetti kind of way. So let's get real with each other in these end times. Let's go ahead and bear each other's burdens. Okay, scripture. I find it really interesting here in uh, Galatians. Galatians 5, 22, but the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit is in us and leading our life, which is supposed to be the thing, produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I'll tell you what, I need more of the Holy Spirit for that to be the kind of fruit that I am, that I am putting out 100% of the time in my life. Notice it doesn't say the fruit of the Spirit is having the nicest house that you can have everybody over and make sure everybody knows how spiritual you are. That that is false. <sighs> Those who belong to Jesus Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Now, here's the thing. We think the the passions of the sinful nature are like, oh, maybe sleeping around or drinking or doing drugs. Or no. Passions of the sinful nature include wanting approval of men. Wanting to have more money than you need. Just so that you can look like you have what it takes to everybody else. That is sinful nature stuff, okay? This is what we have nailed to the cross. Since we are now living by the Spirit, I'm, I'm reading in uh, Galatians 5, uh, 25. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every single part of our lives. That includes what we eat, by the way. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Now, in chapter 6 of Galatians, it says, If another believer believer is overcome by some sin. Okay, so this is someone who's a believer, but they're overcome by some sin. Well, what is that sin? It might be pride. It might be uh, greed. That's kind of hidden. It might be just wanting the approval of men, caring more about what people think than what God thinks or whatever. And it's it says you who are godly or or not currently struggling with that particular sin should gently, gently and humbly help the person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. So for example, right now, um, if what I'm saying is, is convicting to anybody 
that has money as and has been using it selfishly and unsacrificially. And then I uh, come upon a bunch of money. And then and then so so I've used his word to bring correction, which is fine. Um, and again, the repentant heart is all God's looking for. There's no judgment when you humbly uh, bring yourself under God and, and say, okay, this has been me and I'm done doing that. Now, if I, if I bring this word to you and then later I have a bunch of money in a nice house and I don't open it up myself, then that would, that would be me not being careful that I don't fall into the same sin. Now, if I would, I would hope that there's somebody that would be bold enough to care about my soul enough to help bring me back. Not care about what I'm going to think of them in the moment that they are, you know, bringing some correction to me. But if they're humbly saying, look, I've been there. I've felt the consequences of what it's like to care more about your house, to care more about people not messing up your carpet than to care about these souls that need our help or these people that need a place to stay or these, you know, the unlovable, the ones Jesus, you know, went to. The homeless guys, you know, they probably stunk. You know, the taxpayers that probably wasn't real pretty. Lord, help us understand what following him actually looks like. So we humbly and gently realize that at any point, we could fall prey to the same thing. And therefore, we never approach somebody with like, oh, well, I'm going to be praying for you. I'm not saying that praying for someone is bad or wrong. I'm saying the attitude behind most of the people who are like, this is what I'll offer you. Something that doesn't cost me anything. Um, I know of a story where a, a guy was saying to a preacher, I, I feel so stuck. I just feel so stuck. I'm, I, I need help. He literally says these words. And the pastor says, well, that's what I'll pray for then. What? What do you mean that's what? You know what a response should be? What can I do to help? What kind of stuck are you? Oh, you're living on your friend's couch. You know what? Let's work on getting you a place to stay that is legitimate. Let's let's help each other in this real life that we all live not go oh you've probably made irresponsible choices so you know i'll pray for you to you know do better with that but ultimately i'm not going to help you now i'm not talking about helping someone so much that you give and give and give and you're just handicapping their you know moochness or whatever but i'm talking about people i've been in a place where literally things have just come uh, testing, uh, you know, attacks, whatever against me over and over and over. And I literally needed a hand to hold me up. <clears throat> and God wants to use his people to be that hand. Um, my entire, <laughs> my entire life's goal, life's purpose, uh, life's call is, is to be in a ministry where that's exactly what it'll be. Because I do know what it is like to be trying to follow God like this lady is that I talked about in the beginning. She, she's going, I'm listening to this stuff. I'm wanting to follow God. I'm trying to hear his voice, but I am up against it circumstantially, intensely so, 
She can't see, even if she isn't living in some kind of sin, she can't even see what that is. She's just reaching out for someone to hear her, for someone to help her. I mean, how do you think it made her feel to have a bunch of people? Oh, wow. I'm praying for you. Girl, it'll get better. Like, not even one person said, wow, that's got to be tough. I can't even imagine. What can we do? Maybe we should start a fund for you. You know? (sighs) I hope you hear my heart in this. We have got to be Jesus Christ followers. A lot of us, oh, we're Jesus freaks. We're Jesus. Okay, we haven't even done one thing Jesus has done. I'll tell you what we do. When kind of the weird guy comes along or the or the one that smells or something like that in the church, we kind of, ooh, run the other way. Oh, hope I can avoid talking to him today. Lord, help us. Jesus did not do that to the weak and to the broken. And you know what? I don't know if you guys know this, but the word meek is actually more accurately translated the afflicted. So in Matthew 5, the meek shall inherit the earth. Okay. So the afflicted, the ones you think are a little cray cray, a little smelly, a little weird, afflicted, afflicted with addiction, afflicted with making irresponsible choices. Okay. Afflicted with all those things. They're the ones that are going to be first. Okay. The last shall be first and the first shall be last. So the people you're running away from leaving in the dust, because after all, if you talk to them, they might look, make you look a little like you're, you're not in with the in crowd of your church. Mm -mm -mm. Help me Lord. Obviously, you guys can tell that I have had personal experience with this. Um, I have some passion behind this whole thing. But, you know, it's, it wasn't until I got into the Word that I realized that what bothers me that's going on in the church is actually really scriptural for it to bother me. Okay? So, I will... Uh, this is why I'm not apologetic for this. Okay? Listen to this. Okay? In uh, Mark 16, in the longer ending of Mark, as it is stated here... Um, Jesus, you know, had been raised from the dead. It's the very, very last thing. And he says, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes, this is Jesus talking and telling the disciples, anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. Anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name and they will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it will not hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and the sick will be healed. Okay. Is that the kind of power of God we're seeing in the church? Do you know anybody that's drank poison, been able to live to tell about it? Anybody who's cast out any demons? laid hands on the sick and they're healed. Okay. Speaking in tongues, maybe that's taboo. We shouldn't talk about that. I don't know. I mean, some people think that's not a thing. Um, Miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. When's the last time you've seen a miracle? 
Okay. So in, 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 until then, until we can really take this word and, and check ourselves against it, can we really just say to someone that's sitting in poverty, good luck. And you know what? If you've ever been there and you can still do that, shame on you. Shame on you. Because the reason God takes us through times of poverty or homelessness or anything like that is so that we can learn to lean on him. And so that we can give him all the praise and all the glory when he delivers us from that situation. That is a testimony. First the test, then the money, right? Like testimony. That lady is going to have an incredible testimony. And I hope all the people that said they were praying for her really do. And I hope she can come back on there and blow their minds at what God has done for her. Whether they lifted a finger or not, because God loves her. But here's the thing. Somebody's going to lift a finger. God is going to move on somebody to help that woman out. I just think it's absolutely tragic that believers who are struggling with real life and they are not in denial about what they feel in the world right now, the anxiety and the stress and the things that we're facing, that she's in the reality of what she's facing and still trying to follow God. Like, uh, there's many Christians that are just not looking at the reality. Oh, nope, that's not happening. No, we can't be. Huh? No, we'll just can't. No, denial doesn't make it not so. We are facing some incredibly crazy stuff. And when you have harsh family circumstances and financial circumstances on top of that, uh, of course you're going to be fighting despair. I mean, Satan's out there to get people to give up. We need each other to make sure that we do not give up and give in. You know, people say, oh, I'm going to got to tell the truth in love. Nope. What it really means is humbly and gently. What is love? For one thing, you've got to care more about the person's soul than what, they're th- when the, than what they will think about you if you move in to stand beside them through their burden. Okay? Not condemning, but helping. <sighs> I feel you. What do you need? What do you feel like would help? What do you feel like would get you out of this rut? And then the testimony comes through. Uh, the nuts and bolts of true Christianity of what Jesus himself, and then, and then the non-believers that were all wanting to harvest in for the final harvest. Okay. They would see something in the church that they realize is unbelievable and new and fresh and something they want. Whereas I can tell you one of the fastest things that turns away a non-believer, if they attempt a church thing and they get there and then, and then church people say, Oh, Oh, you've been struggling with drugs. Well, why don't you get in the line and we'll pray for you. But nobody says, Hey, Do you have a rehab? Do you have a place you can go, a place you can stay? If they are wanting help bad enough to even darken the doors of a church, they are desperate for anybody to be a crying shoulder, to relate, to say, I mean, some of the reasons that we should be helping people is because we know what it's like to be there. So we can help them through that. Not help them of like, oh, you're one of those, you know, poor outcasts that have really you know, done yourself wrong, I'll pray that God straightens you out. No, you better be praying for yourself that God straightens you out because until you've taken up your cross and sacrificed anything for him, even a single night of comfort of just your family being in your home, take in some people. Care. 
Let's reach out, guys. Thanks for listening. Till next time.